Hi there. Thank you for downloading, listening to, and watching the Lean Into Artcast. This is a show where a couple of visual storytellers get together and take a walk around various topics that tend to cross one's path when you go on this endeavor of communicating with images. We think hard about this stuff, so you will too. And my name is Jersey Drost. I'm a cartoonist and teaching artist, and the other host is named. Hey, I'm Rob Stenzinger. I do user experience design and uh, interactive development of lots of kinds, and I teach that stuff too. Good to see you again, Rob. Um, I feel like I should throw out something at the top of the people watching the video saying, like, what's going on with Jersey's headphones? They broke literally just before we started recording. <laughs> and and uh, I grabbed a little roll of electric tape to try to, like, fix them really quickly, and it didn't work. So they're, like, kind of half hanging on my head. Um, and I, I have a, a new kitten in the studio who may wind up interrupting at various points during the episode, but we will do our best with what we got. Um, like... All kinds of performance variables that we're, we'll be playing today. And you're just getting started. That's just a couple of them. And we just started, yeah. So, um, but but this is, this is, I mean, performance variables leads into what this week's topic is, which is, um, my gosh, 2020 has thrown us such a variety of curveballs this year. And one of the ways that we have been coping with the, the curveballs is uh, a new reliance and focus on video and like in terms of a tool for connecting, for teaching, for, um, I, I don't know, presenting, broadcasting, being a part of things. Like we're, we are participating in more and more things via video now, right? Which has asked us to do all like uh, many of us, if not all of us, to do like a new kind of leveling up with how we approach video, how we consume it, what tools we use to connect through it, and how we use it to reach out. Right. Totally. I, it, it's, and we, you probably have used some video in your day to day, maybe even a lot, but then to to need it in so many ways every single day. Um, I, I think is probably like this year is a bit of a change. I mean, even if you've been really into this, like we do a podcast just about every week on video <laughs> and, you know, one would think, well, how, how could you do more video? Well, it's just <laughs> because it's needed for everything, you know, for, for socializing uh, and, and all, all kinds of stuff, depending on your situation in um, you know, how you're dealing with the, um, you know, distancing in the pandemic and whatnot. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so it's everywhere now. So, because I felt comfortable and fine being a little bit less, uh, like, like informal, like the lean into Artcast, we didn't have, I mean, honestly, you've done so much to level up our video production and how we, how we show up in, um, in our, in the, in our recordings yet, uh, there's there's so much more that could be done and and we started talking about this uh months ago i mean right near the beginning um beginning of all this uh considering virtual events and all that stuff but mm -hmm. um you know if you the video is such a key component of, of every bit of it and yeah very we've been much thinking of, yeah. and, and experimenting yeah we have and so uh we thought this week we would do a quick check-in on what what we've learned so far and 
given what we've learned, how does that make us, like, how does that affect our thinking going into 2021? And I really do, I would like to try to paint with a broad brush in the sense of covering a lot of different use cases, not just teaching arts, not just self-promotion as an artist, not just connecting with friends and family, but like encompassing all those things and seeing how they all, because at least from my experiences, they've all informed one another. They have all tied into one another in, in some not in substantial ways. Um, and while I feel like there's a, a lot of, I hear a lot of discussions around me of returning to normal. I'm like, yeah, that'll be awesome. Uh, but it sure seems like this experience and this leveling up we've all done will have some kind of profound impact going forward, even when we can gather again, even when we aren't, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say quarantine, but for all intents and purposes, you know, a lot of us are, well, rightly so, <laughs> avoiding gatherings, right? So, yeah, it's um, it, it, I don't know, it's a, it's an interesting topic because for some folks they would hear this, and I don't know, if folks who listen to the and or, or watch the Lean Into Art podcast would be like, what do you mean distancing? <laughs> but we are, and I think probably a good amount of you are as well. I imagine and, uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, but but what happens when we need to do less of that? Because mm -hmm. we'll get there eventually. Mm -hmm. All right. So that'll, I'll get the music going. And that music indicates that we are now in the first part of the show where we talk about what it looks like. So let's share some of the learning we've done in terms of what it looks like. Do you want to do some demos, Rob, of some of the research you've been doing? Oh, let's see. Like, uh, what's funny is is we've I've been doing a little bit of demoing okay. in um, like a recent episode. I had a green screen uh, going the entire time, mm -hmm. and. Uh, we might have mentioned it, but uh, I don't have a green screen going today. I'm actually really in this in this place. Oh, hold on a sec. Maybe I'm going to change settings here. So what if we just did this? And I said, maybe maybe podcasting is a little bit much for me today. I need to chill out and play some uh, play some Keith Courage. Aha! Uh -huh. Oh, there. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, so, we, should, we should also say for those who haven't deduced this in the audio version that this is one where we're going to be doing some visual demos. But yes, there we go. Rob is now playing a TurboGrafx-16 video game, and he's inset in the bottom right of the screen. So we can watch him while he's playing the game. Now, people who have been watching any like live uh, like gaming streaming gamers have seen this setup before. This is not you know, profoundly new what you're doing here, right? Except for you were literally playing of TurboGrafx-16, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I'm actually playing a, a, a physical TurboGrafx-16. Um, uh, allow me to point it out on my desk. Oh, <laughs> right there. Holy cow. There it is. Yep. So... so so what, how, are you, how are you doing that? How are you rigging that up so that you can run your TurboGrafx-16 into your computer and then broadcast it? Well, I have the ability to... Um, I have a capture card, and it's the Elgato HD60S, I think. 
and um, you know, it connects via uh, USB three. You put any kind of HDMI source in there and uh, it will do a pass through. So you can have a separate monitor to, to watch and, and do things with, but then, or you could just use the software itself to be your monitor. And that's what I was doing is looking at Keith Courage in a window while, um, yeah, interacting. There was a, there's a smidgen of a delay though. So it would be okay. better to do a separate monitor. Okay. When you say capture then, card, is this an internal external card? It, it's an external card that uh, it connects through USB three. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. And so uh, you could connect it to um, a laptop or a desktop or what have you. You don't have to have the internal space to uh, mount a, a card. And, um, but let's see. So, but that can take in like any source. Um, um, a few different episodes, um, I was experimenting with that. And I would just put my Mac in through that type of connection. And uh, it was my second monitor on my Mac. And I could just share and what, like when I was doing some of my ad reads for, uh, for, for coaching or for workshops and stuff, that's what I was doing. I, hmm. I switched to that, uh, yeah, that video source. Oh, wow. Um, so, I mean, in the second half, we'll talk a little bit about like the whys of this, but like, let's, let's keep going through some of the hows. Like, so, so, so this is something that this is technology. This is off the shelf. You can go to like any like Best Buy micro center and get this kind of capture card. Um, plugs in, like you said, it plugs into a laptop. So you don't necessarily need to have like an awesome graphics card on your computer because there is a GPU in the capture card, right? Um, there's a difference by model. So it depends on which capture card you get. Okay. Um, some capture cards are more CPU intensive and others try to do more of the work. Um, and, uh, the one I have, I am forgetting. I think it's, it's, uh, just by testing, it didn't tax the CPU that much, um, but it uh, it does use the your your CPU. Um, so um, worth thinking about if you're at the edge of what your computer can currently do comfortably. Um, you know that's a factor. Yeah. So so that's go that capture card is then being um, managed through uh, OBS, of course. OBS Open Broadcasting Software. <laughs> Or open open yeah. broadcasting studio, broadcast studio, something like that. But you do a search yeah. for OBS Studio, you'll find it. We'll link to it in the show notes. But um, so, what else you got? What else is in your setup that you've been playing with? What else? Well, I switched to my uh, what I call my free cam, so I I can just you know, like if I'm in a situation where I need to point a camera at something else, I can I can do that. Um, just jump to something that is somewhere in my setup that I can also switch between, um, let's see. Well, I can switch, but I'll, I'll demo that in a second. Um, the thing I'm using to do the switching, or at least most of it, because I'm not fully set up yet, I'm using this separate tool called um, UpDeck. And uh, that lets me remotely control OBS. And so I actually have a couple of, um, you know, a couple of old Android phones because I do mobile development, and uh, and I sometimes get lucky where if you keep a keep a lookout, you can find an inexpensive phone. So actually, I'm just gonna um, let me. I'll switch to I'll switch to the free cam again, Boop. just because I can, and then I'll show that you know this is the little uh, handheld um, 
you know, switcher that I can, now I can switch to my desk cam if I wanted to. And that's, that's mounted overhead. So I can do some sketching or working with sticky notes and other physical media. I think you have a lot of similar setup things too, Jersey. I so do. why don't I you do. do a couple demos and I'll, I'll, I'll switch back and do another one. Okay, sure. Um, so let me switch to my other, so like, so for people who are like super new to uh, OBS, it's basically like you can network in a whole bunch of different sources, a bunch of different cameras, and you can switch between them via what Rob was showing with that updeck thing with like a little switcher like that, or like even within the software itself, it shows all the different scenes that you make and you can just switch between them. Um, what I have, and I'm gonna actually just take my webcam and show it on my desk. Now, please forgive the state of my studio. I have not fully moved in yet, and I am introducing a new kitten <laughs> into the house. But you can see here on my desk, um, I've got a tripod with an old iPhone. I think this is an SE um, that is no longer in service as a phone, but I use it as a webcam, and uh, I have it with an NDI camera program, which we'll talk a little bit about NDI in a second. So that is set up for when I want to do drawing like on my desk. And then I have my VioZ Canvas, which I've been using as my drawing computer for uh, some years now. Um, I've drew or did a lot of the penciling of Science Comics Rockets on this machine. Um, and then you can actually, through this, this, this technology called NDI, you get a plugin, for the NDI plugin for OBS. I can take that computer, which I'm not streaming on right now, but I can route it in as a source so I am on two computers right now, and I can, you know, start drawing in Clip Studio Paint on my laptop, and simultaneously be talking and looking at the screen. And it does it puts very little CPU load on the laptop, so like my drawing happens a lot more effortlessly. It's not struggling. The fan's not running at a million miles per hour. But then through Ethernet, I got to passion both my computers are plugged in via Ethernet to my router. And then with the NDI plugin, they can talk to each other in this way where I can route it in as a source or switch to my overhead cam like I just showed you a second ago um, or switch back to me or even switch back to me and Rob talking together. So we're talking on Zoom. That's being captured. My camera's being captured as a source, but then I also have sources for my laptop and my overhead cam. And it's pretty simple to switch between these things um, while you're presenting. It's, there's very little, like, even if there's like a little bit of a hiccup, it's no worse in my opinion than if you're in a zoom meeting, you're like, okay, I'm going to turn on screen sharing everybody. Where is it again? It's right there. There it is. And then the screen share takes a second and it happens, you know? Um, mm -hmm. so it, I've been using this for my, uh, online classes that I've been teaching and switching back and forth between, you know, like doing quick demos in clip studio paint. But even then I feel like let me get more into this in the second half, but it, it, there's something about the kids actually seeing me doing penciling, seeing the pencil touch the paper and the way my hand is moving when I'm drawing versus seeing a drawing sort of magically kind of happening on a screen share with Clip Studio Paint. Does that make sense? Um, it totally yeah. So I found there's a lot of value in having an analog setup and a digital setup. Um, and of course, this also works if I ever want to do some live streaming of my you know, comics work. If I want to, you know, do a quick, quick recording for my Patreon or for the people who support me, uh, for Boulder and Fleet, you know, I can very simply capture that. So it works both as a teaching tool and as a self-promotional tool. Uh, whoops, switch back to that. There we go. So, and it may be a little bit of, uh, I guess, uh, 
uh, trying to <laughs> bringing in extreme measures if you just are doing this to socialize. Yeah. But I do think it brings in new possibilities for socializing too. Like you could use some of these approaches to play games together um, across distances and whatnot. And especially to be able to do that where it's like, oh, um, to have a, um, a view of, well, a couple of cameras. If you have, if you have an old phone and it, and it opens up some possibilities to, um, well, to, to, to make it a little more immersive, uh, you know, like the kinds of things you would experience if, if you were in the same room together. Um, let's see if, uh, let's speaking see. of which, speak, I want to tell a story of something that happened at CXC this year that I got really excited about. Um, so let me, I didn't check to see if my Chrome capture was working properly. It is not. Let's get that fixed right now. Okay. Um, such a list to get ready for this kind of presentation, but, uh, yeah, it kind of is. You got there pretty quick. Yeah. Here, here it, it, only, it only took a second. So, um, one of the things that happened in our Discord stream at, at or Discord server at CXC this year was a couple of artists put together a quick game of TKO. Have you heard of this, Rob? I haven't. So this is from Jackbox Games, and they're, they're not a sponsor of this show, but I'm just giving the information in case people want to follow up on it. So it's a drawing game show where people write out like just like uh, loose and lousy t-shirt slogans. And then the, the slogans get shuffled amongst the players, and then the players have to draw a drawing to go with the t-shirt slogan in like 10 seconds or less. <laughs> and um, the, it, was, it was a very lively and fun game to watch. And then um, people, like, they also like, were, had one of the um, hosts actually playing ukulele music for um, like the round music and everything. And actually, I wound up buying, like, when you're done, at the game's over, you can purchase the t-shirts that are generated by it. And actually, Ann and I got one of the shirts that was produced by this game. And, like, oh, let's see if I can get it in the show. No. So, yeah, the slogan was, <laughs> dad jokes, am I right? And then the drawing that they put together in, like, 10 seconds looks like one of those little rubber, like, finger puppets monsters that they used to have in the 80s. And, like, like you know, the, the, the quarter machines outside of Giant Way. Um, we can totally those out of quarter machines yeah uh, so anyway radio but yeah but like this was done at a comics festival sure but this would be something that you do with friends just for fun like this like this is the kind of leveling up in video that happens even in a social way not just in a teaching and presenting kind of way so anyway uh, yeah and, it, and it's worth pointing out it's like uh these are all these are all communication tools, and it's almost like saying that um, you know talking about caring a lot about what you would put into a presentation or um, a you know doing public speaking or something like that. You can talk about so many elements of that's a that's a useful type of communication, and I think we're running into um, a situation where we're gaining growing appreciation and awareness of of needs we can meet through uh, well being flexible with uh, video sources and possibilities. And when yeah. you can mix them together in different ways to have, have a couple of cameras juxtaposed, all of a sudden it's a really different situation. Like you said, it's not just a magic drawing appearing. You see, uh, even if you're, you're not filming um, a, uh, an analog tool, you could be uh, filming a digital tool in an, across the analog uh, barrier, right? Yeah. Uh, because and you get to see the interactions with with essentially the um, the user interface of that tool, and it's um, that's that's more you're layering information, and that's 
um, you know, yeah, a way to potentially Let's talk about that layering of information because actually, for those who are watching the video, we're doing that right now, right? Like, so we have this 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 crawl that's happening under the our two pictures. First of all, we got it side by side. See, it's, so instead of it switching between me and Rob automatically, like it did in the old days with Google Hangouts, um, we're both reacting live. You get to see Rob's reaction to me while I'm talking, and my reaction to him, and so on, which is creates a richer communication. But then, it, it, for people who are tuning in for the first time, like, who are these? to people, well, there's this information that's happening at the bottom of the screen, right? Um, mm -hmm. And this, there's that kind of, that thinking about um, who's interacting with this and how and what do they need to know is part of the sort of lifting you have to do when you think about leveling up video. It's not just about like, well, there's cool toys I can use. Okay, well, let's think about who, how we're making this and why. Um, who is it for? What? What are they encountering uh, when they encounter this video for the first time? And how can I make this so that it's maximized for that person, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, one thing that we're not really covering much are, is like when you need a lot of interactivity between yeah. um, participants in that video experience. Yeah. That's when you, you would want to look into other tools that help with uh, you know, laying things out and, uh, and interacting with a visual space in a live way. Um, mm -hmm. Like you've pointed out the, that, that whiteboard app. Yes. Before. Yeah. I can pull it up real quick and we can talk about it. Cause it, yeah, this is something I, I discovered. And um, when I was doing a lot of testing for the super comics challenge game show, which is again, it's something that we produce entirely live through OBS. Um, but uh, this whiteboard, it's called awwapp.com. It's an A-Web whiteboard. Um, and it is just, I mean, it's just like a, any like a dozen whiteboards out there um, in that there's like, you know, there's pen tools, there's marker tools, there's, diff there's an eraser tool that's like a vector eraser and a more traditional eraser. You can make multiple pages. Um, and then you can export it. So I'll go back to page one, see that circle's not there. Um, and you can export it as a multi-page PDF when you're done. But the neat thing is, is that you can invite people to collaborate on it. So if I invite Rob right now, which I'll do via sending him the, the link in um, Zoom chat. Hangouts would be better. Oh, would it? okay. Well, then that's what, yeah. the way I'll do it. Sorry. Uh, Hangouts. And this, this, I mean, it's only taking a second to do. I know there's like a little bit of a delay while I'm vamping while I do this, but so I share the link with Rob um, and then he can get okay. in here and we can draw at the same time. You're going to see Rob's pen appear on the screen as soon as he gets there. It'll either say anonymous or if he logged in with something, it's going to say, you know, I just want to see right here. Who is. quick and just clicked on through. There he is. So we're both, yes, we're both drawing at the same time. So I'm drawing and Rob's drawing. Um, and you can have a lot of people in here. Now, why AWW app or a web whiteboard? This is the one that I found that had the least amount of latency when you have a lot of people participating. Um, this one, uh, like I tried Google Jamboard and a few others, and like they got really slow and laggy when you got more than a couple people drawing at the same time. Um, 
so what what good is this? Well, this is all. Here's the other thing: is I'm thinking about accessibility. This just happens in the browser. You can do this on an iPad. You can do this on uh, an old laptop, a Chromebook. You know, whether you want to draw with your mouse or with the trackpad, or if you have a pen. And then you can easily overlay. And this is what I did for Super Comics Challenge. I'm gonna do this right now. I'm gonna add my camera right over top of this, and then boom, shrink it down. And then I can even have, let's see if I can add Rob real quick. Um, oh, fun. Yeah, well, I gotta add a window capture. And let's add zoom. Mm -hmm. And there's Rob, and then I just crop it real quick. And then we can be, right, so like here's a very quick and dirty version of what I did for Super Comics Challenge. Whereas now I've got two sources. I've got my webcam. I've got Zoom routed in, and then Rob can have this open on a separate machine, as far as the web, the whiteboard, and be drawing on that, and just have Zoom open either on a phone or on his laptop, right? So it's it's pretty straightforward and simple to use. But you can do some cool drawing together, um, or do you know demonstrate? Actually, I use this with my students all the time. So like one of the things we do in our classroom is um, when, when we met in place was we had a whiteboard and we would do what I called the cool down exercise where I would draw a random shape like so. And then the students have to turn it into something, right? You can add, but you cannot subtract. You can't erase any of the lines, but you can add to the lines. The kids turn into something else, right? Just a fun way for them to put on a performance in front of one another and also play with some of the principles of comic storytelling. Um, and then, um, what am I trying to say? Uh, oh, so, but in a Zoom call, which is like what our classes are being held in, that performance aspect is somehow is now like a little less obvious. So I employed this to say, okay, we're doing cool down now. I pick two students, they draw, everybody watches and can comment while it's happening, right? So it still retains some of that spontaneity, some of that performance, some of that playfulness, but in a way that, um, you know, is... is works with the technological constraints that we're facing when we can't meet together. Right. Yeah. It's there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of tools that help with, um, cause you, you're solving a different problem. You're, you're solving like immediacy of, uh, visual input and reacting to visual input visually beyond, uh, just the, an image of you as a participant, right? So you're now you're, you have a, uh, an artifact that you're creating together and that, that, that creates a lot of new possibilities. And so if you're facilitating a meeting, if you're hosting a game, if, um, well, like you, you now have a, a space to create together, um, in more ways than, than the video streams. So, yeah. Uh, and I, uh, I was experimenting, let's see, did I succeed in signing in here? Okay. Um, I was looking at uh, Miro and uh, it's tried to redirect me to an app. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'll just, let's see. I don't, this would be another opportunity. I could, um, you know, what the, hey, I will. Um, so we talked about NDI, right? So NDI is this standard put out by a company that cares a lot about like video production, new tech. And, uh, but they made it open. So there's a lot of tools that support it. So suddenly you can do things like stream, um, like a, your, your PC screen to another mach machine or uh, a Mac to another. 
and uh, and it all gets routed into OBS, which gets to be this this management and coordination and and uh, composition tool, with with which opens up so many possibilities. But then um, I I recently got a different tablet recently, and uh, it's um, it's like how things share and participate and communicate together vary, right? And um, I started to look like well, if for some things I'm able to connect my iPad via NDI and that works okay. Um, it could be the age of the iPad, you know, hence I mentioned new tablet. Um, but here I am on an Android tablet and I didn't have as easy of an option for NDI, but who knows, I'm still looking and researching. The thing I found um, in, in like the near term is that Windows has this, um, it's like Miracast, which is, yet another standard, I believe, to um, to get stuff from one device to display on another device, right? So I'm, um, as I'm, let's see, describing this, I'm, I'm starting to uh, try to launch something called Screen Stream Mirror Pro. And if I start casting, and then um, it wants me to rate it five stars. Oh, apps. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that is that is one of my favorite little headaches of the modern age is that like nine times out of ten when i'm launching an app it's like i need something immediately right i need something now and then when the app stops it's like wait before i give you that thing that you asked for will you please tell your friends about me no i'm the thing cool, aren't i i've been a good app tell tell me i'm a good app tell your friends i'm a good app and and now that's money I mean, I'm, I like your appreciation. Thanks for smiling. Uh, this is good. Smile at your friends about me. Do it, please. No, they should please. say that when I'm getting ready to close the app. I, mean, ah, I see you're closing. If you got what you needed, please tell your friends. There, that's at least uh -huh. something. But like the, the whole like stopping me at the door, like before I walk into the McDonald's, being like, hey, tell your friends about McDonald's. I haven't even gotten the food yet. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? In the, in the case of some businesses, it's so out of context because it's like, Pretty sure they've heard of you, right? I think you're good. Pretty sure. Yeah. Instagram, guess they, what? They talk about you on TV shows. <laughs> you, uh, you have no problem. You don't need the rating. <laughs> so funny. I'm, uh, I'm still working on this sharing, and then I will switch over to this uh, video source. Right. Um, fun, fun. And uh, let's see here. Here's where we're doing the doing the dance of oh that's fun too it's um the app grabs my mouse so you gotta you gotta be aware of that too so i'm using the the a connect app on the um there we go so i'm using the connect app on pc to send an android tablet through miracast and use it it's uh able to reach out through miracast because of an app <laughs> called um uh screen stream mirror pro so there we go so i can switch back and i was uh way back when a few minutes ago talking about this app called miro <laughs> and uh uh this is a way to to, to do sort of sticky note like collaboration things diagramming collectively and together but if you think about it in a way a game board is a diagram like you could import a photo of a board that you like 
you know, to use or, you know, your favorite game. I'm not, I don't know, copyright, what have you, but private personal use, I don't know. Um, but you can use like these, these pieces and graphics as um, like game. Uh, I don't want a tutorial right now, Miro. Thanks. Um, okay. Don't want that tutorial either. Okay. Please stop. Oh man. Right. I want a shape. There we go. Hello shape. And I've got two shapes. So anyway, so imagine these are game pieces that you're you're moving around on this per thing that could have potentially, you know, it's a hypothetical game board in the back. Mm, oh, okay, I stop see. giving yeah. it to you. We could be playing Candyland right now. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> um, there you go. All right. So then um, And this is this is like the whiteboard that I, I showed where it's like we could be collaborating simultaneously on this board. Right. And for some audiences, uh drawing freehand. Uh, tools that emphasize that are great and like the like a more familiar, comfortable mechanism. But there are other mechanisms that let you um, get more than one pe person to collaborate. And so I think I can um, I can invite Jersey to this, but uh, I'm not going to jump through that hoop right now. Yeah, um, no, we get the idea. Um, yeah, that's really cool. There's more than one way to do this. You don't have to like go get the NDI plugin and then install it in OBS in order to be able to do that kind of casting. Yeah, good point. It's um let's see. It is uh <laughs> NDI is pretty great though. Um yeah, as far as is. how elegant it works, that's that's um uh I prefer it. As long as the devices have overall the the ability to 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 share with a good enough frame rate um also uh worth noting is that if you want synchronous audio audio to match um some kind of visuals so it's for instance if you're on camera through an ndi device and what have you um that ups the the ante the amount of difficulty or performance needs for that device to um you know, perform well as a, as a source. If you want both the audio and the video to be synchronized, uh, not that much pressure, uh, for like a desk cam, like, mm -hmm. you don't need to, um, I mean, it depends on what you're performing, right? If you're pointing that at a, at an instrument, then that might be an issue. Mm. Yeah. Um, I've had better luck with USB cameras also worth noting. Um, so USB cameras are getting a little cheaper. So I, I bought a, like a $20 second camera. That's my, that's what I use for my, uh, my whiteboard cam uh, just to, which you used continue. very recently on the show. Yeah. Here, there it is. Yeah. And, uh, I have a second microphone. I can pop out of the stand here and, and just sort of talk at the, talk at the whiteboard. How's traffic this um, morning, Rob? How, well, traffic, <laughs> my arms are tired. <laughs> Oh yeah, hey, on the US twenty three, it's bumper to bumper. It's like a it's like a GD parking lot out there. <laughs> yeah, tell you what, we have some snow around here. So, um, anyway, so diagramming and whatnot, uh, exploring like what would be a a sort of uh, like a good enough, um, you know, camera angle and lighting and arrangement. I mean, there's all kinds of things to. To, to work through. I've been, um, you know, sometimes I, I hop onto the lean into art discord just to do some practicing and, uh, and demoing. So worth mentioning, we'll, we'll mention that later on too. You can, uh, you know, cause of course it's, uh, uh, 
streaming in the 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 section for um, patrons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I can switch between different sources and, and do diagramming. And, uh, you know, so part of that is like, well, what works for me? What have I practiced? Like, what do I want to capture? And it just, it, uh, capturing a physical whiteboard actually just stuck out to me because it's so familiar throughout my career. I, I have an affection for drawing on a whiteboard. So mm-hmm. here I am. Yeah. Well, and again, it goes back to that whole analog thing I was talking about a moment ago, where there's something about seeing the hand actually doing the thing. Whoa, hey, we got second second view all of a sudden, and there <laughs> he's back. I'm there everywhere. Too up. Yeah. So this isn't this is not like um, high tech wizardry that you're performing here. This is like all off the shelf stuff, and just like a little bit of like thoughtful application of like what are what are the needs and what you know. Why do it this way? I, I feel like we're get, closing in on break time and we can thank some people who make the show possible and then we can talk about like why go through all this trouble, why think about all these different use cases. Certainly. I don't have to do one more demo, but I could. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What, what's your last demo? My, not, my not last your last demo. demo. The, the last one you're going to share today. Yeah. So swap oh. to me as the... And uh, this is something interesting where... Um, you know, the idea of chroma key, I mentioned I performed with a, with a green screen as like my background. I had my own office as the pretend background for, for my real office. So, mm. um, <laughs> that, uh, I was like, Hey, chroma key is pretty cool. What else could, could we do with that? What, it, you know, I would like to be able to, to, um, have the sort of layers of information and the flexibility to jump between. I know often we, we can, we can, uh, critique, the use of um, like presentations and, and whatnot as um, you know, maybe, maybe not the greatest example of um, uh, keeping people's attention and con- conveying the information you want to do, but you can be thoughtful about it. Right. So you could use uh, presentations as like lower thirds and use different um, even like uh, different views. Like I was playing around with like full size slides, slides that have maybe some lower third information, but uh, no background and also with a background. And uh, I think I'm going to use this for my next workshop. So, I'm so how are you doing that? I mean, are you actually making like text sources um, in OBS? Oh, what, you're switching all over the place. What, 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 how are you doing? Oh, yeah. That? So uh, this is, uh, I, how am I doing that? It's, um, when I think about the end product of some of the videos and workshops I've made, I add this kind of thing in, in post. It's like I do the performance, but then I'm adding these extra graphics and layers and information. And just dabbling with this, it's like, well, hey, wait a minute. Between um, OBS and potentially just the, just the slide deck that happens to have a chroma keyed green background, right? I could do a lot of interesting things. So here I have like a block of color in OBS that I'm laying over this um, NDI source, which is the window of, um, in this case, it's not a presentation tool. You'll run into tensions with presentations tool, tools because they will, um, um, some only want to display in full screen. Mm-hmm. And in order to do what I want to do, I need something that can present well in a window and then it's it becomes like well behaved for for me and what I, I need to do um, because I need to see other stuff on this machine. Mm-hmm. But um, but here I I have a present um, like a a Google Slides presentation 
that's just three slides because it was just proving the concept of, um, you know, can I do this? And then I have different scenes that I can present the presentation and me in a variety of, variety of ways. I can present the presentation below me or I can present it um, right, you know, by my side. Uh, and I can present it where it's fully integrated. I, I, we overlap. Mm. So, and there you go. And that's, that provides me a variety of cases. So if you think about like simple graphics and someone doing a, like a, like a segment on a, you know, on a show, a science show or what have you, uh, here are a variety of possibilities for simple, um, simple graphics. Mm. Um, and just to show that, um, a little more complex one, my back in a moment is a total quick and, and you know, rough draft experiment that is, um, showing a, um, a motion graphic done in a web page overlaying what happens to be, well, it's the turbo graphics in the background, but, um, but this could be still images. This could be pre-recorded videos, all kinds of things. So anyway, there you go. That was, um, my last couple of demos thinking of, uh, like pieces I've been, I've been trying to, you know, put together for, um, you know, the upcoming presentation work. I totally need to steal that overlaid text idea from you for when I'm doing some of my classes because I make references to certain bullet pointed lists and I don't like just putting a bullet pointed list in the screen. We could talk more about that in the second half. But like having it overlaid with me, like if I say like, okay, what are the four tools cartooning? Shape, size, line, and color. If those are appearing there, right? Like there's like that that's like more visual inculcation to help send home the idea of the these four tools over and over again. Anyway. Um, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, it's been fun watching you experiment with this, Rob. And like, this is all stuff that Rob's been sharing with me before and after shows for the last couple of weeks. And I'm glad that we finally got to like do some of those demos live on the, on the air. So, uh, are you ready to take a minute and a half break? And then we can talk about. Learned the... it by watching you as the saying goes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but let's, uh, let's take a break and, uh, all right. So we're going to talk about the future. We? Yeah, a little bit. Like, how's it? What? How are we think about this going forward? So, in a minute and a half, we're going to talk about that. But first, got to thank people who make this show possible, and those are the folks who support us on Patreon. Patreon.com/slash Leonard is the website. And how, what is it? It's a way for you to give us a monthly upvote. If you believe in Robin Jersey and what we do, what we make, you can support us for as little as a dollar a month. And I want to thank five people who have been doing exactly that. They've been supporting us on an ongoing basis. Gail Bushman. Thank you, Gail, for believing in us and what we do. You can find Gail's work on Instagram at NightingaleArt. And Sarah Lutfi, thank you, Sarah, for supporting the show. It means a lot to us. And Sophie Lawson, thank you, Sophie. You can find Sophie on Twitter at Sophie Lawson Art. And Robert Clemens Jr., thank you, Robert. You can find Robert on Twitter at Rob Clemens Jr. And Cameron Callahan, thank you, Cameron. You can find Cameron on Twitter at Cam Callahan. You can join them all at patreon.com slash leanintoart. We will find all the shows we make as well as the extra leans, the shows we record only for people who uh, support us on Patreon. Those posts become an open mic thread. We can talk about whatever you want We're in a safe space with fellow leaners. And it also gets you access to the Lean Tart Discord uh, Patreon-only channels. We have three channels that are only visible to people who support us on Patreon. Once again, the address is patreon.com slash leanintoart. Or didn't we make a, another URL, Rob? Didn't we make leanintoart.com slash Patreon resolve there? Uh, they both work. Yeah. Yes. So there we go. Patreon.com slash lean into art. Thank you to everybody who supports us there. It means a lot to us. 
It really does. Thank you so much. Okay, so I need some music to get us to the next part. How about, oh, I got one. <laughs> it's not quite the Price is Right Matterhorn. Uh, or what was that one called? Uh, I forget what that, oh, that, that game is. It's was. the, uh, oh, it's the Mountain Climber. I, I don't remember the name of that. It's uh, Alpiner. Alpiner? I think so. I I'm think, think so. of a, um, a TI-99-4A uh, cartridge. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, that, 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 whatever it was, that noise indicates that we are now in the, the second half of the show where we usually talk about more abstract uh, concepts like, well, you know, how are we thinking about this? How does all this leveling up change what we're thinking about going forward? Like I said at the top, when normal returns, normal, mm, debatable, um, but surely when we can gather what we learned in this year should help augment what we do going forward, right? If everybody is suddenly better at video, whether it's like ways to watch video, getting access to video or creating video, surely it will have some kind of, and don't get me wrong, I'm gonna be as excited as anybody else that I don't have to attend a fleet of Zoom meetings like five, six times a week, right? Like that's gonna be marvelous, I'm gonna be so glad. But on the other hand, it's like, well, but knowing how to do this well uh, means that we can probably bring that thinking to our IRL events. Yes, no? What are you thinking, Rob? I mean, historically, I mean, this, I I thought you pointed this out. Um, I mean, this this is a lot like when uh, well, the web became more popular. There was a time when businesses were like, should I go online? Um, yeah, that's right. There's a time, before, like there's a time before, always a time before. And then like, now we learned some, some things that I think will be applying. At least uh, the, those who are in the position and have the, the higher motivation will be right away. And I don't think you'll see sort of um, a revert and go back. I think you'll see more events that are more uh, like on purpose um, hybrid and, and meant to be, um, you know, in person because it's great to, to go to places and, and, and hang out with other people. And it's a, that is a different experience. But there's no reason why the, the virtual was so excluded um, other than just sort of habit. Right. I mean, there was a time when businesses didn't know if they should have a website. And I mean, that was the, right at the beginning of my career. And now it, that's not a thing. Like everyone needs a web presence. That, that is. So I think we'll get to the point where that's not a thing. Like, should we do video that lets uh, people who can't be here or have some need that being here, you know, is, is in conflict with or what have you, but they want to take part. And yeah, that, that's, that, that was one of the first. Yeah, when, when, a, when I was having conversations with A2CAF people and CXC people about like, okay, well, when we do a virtual or online show, are there any advantages? And like one of the first things everybody called out was like, man, we just solved a major accessibility issue in that people who physically couldn't come to this thing can now participate in some way, right? That's huge. On the other hand, huge. there's new accessibility issues in that making sure everybody has adequate bandwidth, internet, and devices that can stream the stuff, right? So, like, that's a whole other thing. It's like, because another thing, another, like, sort of cottage industry that popped up this year was 
uh, festival management software, right? It's like, hey, let us put on your show for you, and we'll even make this virtual artist alley or virtual vendors area that people can move through. And I'm like, that's cool. I have to wonder, is it backwards compatible? Can I watch? Can I participate in this on like a really old Chromebook, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, so like, there's 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 accessibility advantages and disadvantages the same way there is in, in real life, right? There's trade-offs on this stuff. And like every bit of it, it's like, what do you include as a constraint? What matters to the goals of your event and all that? And like, once you're, once the newness enters your awareness, then uh, you can, uh, you need to address that. And how do you shape and design what you do next? And I mean, honestly, it took, like, think about the progression of retail and internet. It took a lot of years for retail to be like, I mean, where you think about, okay, let's say 2012-ish, and uh, you're someone who has probably a mobile device and you're walking into a store who maybe doesn't include in their strategy that people walk into their store with a mobile device and could just order the thing somewhere else depending on how like much of a uh, premium they were asking, right? So, and for some retail situations, that premium was extreme enough where people said, uh, I'm not buying it here, boop, 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 you know, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And that was called showrooming. And it was like, it was like a shameful word in, in, in conversations and in, in design sessions and stuff, because um, it, it's like being in a room with failure, that kind of thing where it's, it's like, how dare someone operate in a way that is beyond my mental model for this arrangement? It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, you, you, they, they, they also call that Metallica-ing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, some of it is like the, the functions in the business, there's a, there's a need to catch up. And they're, you know, like, I'm not trying to say that, um, like, for instance, um, you know, getting all the things an artist makes for free is guaranteed ethical no matter how you do it no but um you no, know but but uh, but the the there is a difference between saying like okay well how do we roll with this and how do we find the opportunities in there versus saying like okay all y'all doing this all you kids you're doing it wrong right um I, I, exactly. yeah yeah exactly it's uh the the, the new the things uh, humans build tools and we organize in organizations and all that kind of stuff. And to, we need to continue to adapt. And I do, I think we've encountered an event that has created such a clear uh, demonstration of the value of virtual participation in yeah. things. Does it mean it's either or what have you? Okay. You know, set the zero sum argument down. Okay. <laughs> it's not either, or it's that it's the combination. And that's what I mean. Like, so fast forward a decade, um, ish and retail has more retail has adapted and you know it's like uh, it takes a long time sometimes for structures and organizations and incentive models and why do people decide the things they do to 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 be influenced enough to take shape to see a difference happening but like clearly enough time has passed where it's uh, uh, a lot has evolved like mm -hmm. going somewhere in person versus uh, uh, interacting with an organization online has become a lot more even and, uh, and a lot of issues have been dealt with. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, accessibility. 
and accessibility. Uh, and, and then well, Steve Hammaker is in the chat and is, is pointing out, you know, the on-demand rewatchability is huge too. And you think about that. That's a whole other kind of accessibility. Oh, I didn't know about the show. I didn't make it out to the show. I wish I could have been there. Well, and now in a way you can. And th so like one might say like, okay, well, cool. We'll just set up a camera on a tripod at every event at physical events nowadays. I'm like, eh, let's think about it harder than that. Because that gives you a sense of presence and a sense of participation. But man, I have been to enough of streamed events where they set up a tripod at a person who's like, you know, 100 feet away and you get the echo of the room in the audio, and you can't really quite make out like their <laughs> gestures and expressions. It's like it's kind of like being in the nosebleeds in a really poorly lit and bad acoustically tuned room when you do it like on a like a, a webcam setup pointing at UStream, right? Um, so okay, well let's think about this. Like, how is this experience unique? What we're doing, what Rob and I are doing right now. How can you recreate that? at an IRL event to get the maximum for both parties, right? Um, both people who are tuning in far away and the people who are actually there. Um, that's a whole new problem to solve. It is, but it's not. It's um, so, so what? Um, television has been widely adopted for decades. Right. And yeah. we've all been just immersed in it. And so even the web, like I talk like an old because I was there at the beginning. That was the, like some of the big opportunity in starting my career is because of the newness of the web. And I happened to have learned enough stuff to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, and the, uh, like we've talked about this too. What is it? What's like, uh, to, let's see. Um, the, the, the evolution of like from a, from a, um, like a really expensive skill to, an expensive tool to a cheaper uh, tool to like, and now it's, it's so things get integrated in, into like, we get, we have astounding flexible tools and capabilities on all kinds of devices all over the place. It's just a matter of putting them to use. Yep. Um, so we may not be aware that we can put it, put together engaging video content that solves problems for a variety of audiences, but like we can Actually. Yes. Yeah. This is just going to like one of my the things when I get a chip on my shoulder, like when I get really up, riled up about sound design, I'm like, oh, I just took impact and I wrote blam and I turned it kind of crooked and I did it. I made a sound effect. I'm like, well, technically you did, <laughs> but did you look again? You know, and it's like, I feel like sometimes when people are solving these problems, they're just like, well, just set up a webcam. There you go. And it's plugged into you streetman. I did it. I created a, a the, the same experience for somebody someplace else. Well, did you? You know, it's like yeah. So the it, it, it and it's a, so it's not an all or nothing because I've what's super funny about the impact example is I literally am that guy. <laughs> so so was I. I've so, got I, to be fair. So was I. I mean, I I'm more skilled now than I was then, right? And so as yeah, but to to set up like maybe based on the assumption that like one and done, like you 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 start to embark in this and continuing to uh, be invested and aware and evolve based on what you learn. Uh, so yeah, maybe week one is a webcam on a, you know, a tripod without great audio and that's the audio source. But then you realize like, oh, okay, this is a bubble of assumption that needs to be um, yes. Yes. popped, right? So now that I'm inside the bubble, I get to 
all, all kinds of new observations. I maybe get feedback from folks who participated saying like, I only heard that side of the room, not that side. And the video looked okay for this, but really bad for that. And all of a sudden, oh, how do I do that? And, and, um, and, and the way, you know, it, this is something start, we were talking about very recently is this idea of like the, the principles lead you to the solutions, right? So what's the principle? Who are you trying to help? And what are you trying to solve? So like, for instance, Steve's in the chat again saying like the production value needs to be good for online cons to work in the future. And I agree with this. And I also think about this with my classes. I feel like, okay, let's think about the constituencies we're serving. I am asking 11-year-olds who are sitting in endless Zoom meetings with their schools to sit down for another hour and a half with me, that's a huge ask to like for them to retain any kind of attention or interest for that long at a laptop. Now, the interesting thing is like if you say that, that well, you go to a movie, well, yes, you go to a movie, but you're going to another place. There's like travel involved. There's like some kind of like cost to going to experience this that makes it feel like that there's a transaction of time. Yes, I'm driving 20 minutes to get to the movie theater, to get the popcorn, to get the experience, to sit in the chair and have the lights turned down, have the communal experience. There are different exchanges happening there. But with a laptop that you're sitting with or an iPad, that you're sitting with yeah, all, all see what? like a movie, the density of thoughtfulness per second is way different than yep. like going to a class facilitated by an individual, right? Yep, that's so, a good point. I mean, look at the credits in a movie. Try to sit through the credits in most movies that don't have a surprise thing at the end, right? <laughs> um, very thankful for all those folks who work super hard on this thing, but like, wow, that's a lot of names. Way more than the names that if you rolled credits for your class, it'd be like, Jersey. <laughs> A couple of the people who like did the class registration and organizing of the, you know, the students and everything, but, but yeah, right. So, okay. So I'm thinking about how do I keep not just production value? Cause I, I, I don't think there's going to be a couple 11 year olds in my class who are like, he has some great production values, right? Yes. I, I was that kid, but, um, most of the kids are like, did I have fun or not? Right. So I'm thinking about what's my presentation style, but I'm also thinking about how do I maintain visual interest? And I, and I thought about, okay, well, what do I do in the room? Right? How am I maintaining their, their attention and interest when I'm in the room with them? Well, I'm moving around a lot. I'm changing my volume levels a lot. I am changing the activities a lot. I'm always very attentive to the energy in the room. Harder to do in video, right? So this may sound funny. I'm saying this on the Lena Tarcast, which is like an hour and a half weekly show where two middle aged men talk about art, you know, and it's usually a two up for a long time. But like when I'm thinking about my classes, I'm thinking about how do I chunk it out? How do I chunk out the content? How do I make it so that it's visually worth looking at? And we, this is a conversation we had with, at CXC too with like the, the programs we did was like, we should be switching a lot because this is, this is a festival for a visual medium. How can we avoid just having a grid of Zoom videos on the screen? How can, even if it's something as simple as switching to a full up, switching to a two up, switching to a six up, back and forth, switching to a slide deck, and switching as much as possible so, so that it's at least visually not boring, right? Um, the content's going to be good. So we got to have the production values and the visual interest amplified to match the content. And there's a lot you're doing there. Right? So if you think about just your decision process, you're, you're choosing to uh, notice that this experience can be designed and then you're including other points of view as criteria to help inform what you would want to do and shape that, that new version of the experience that you yeah. want to, to, to create. 
um, <clears throat> acknowledging any of that is it has immense utility because you can go from just sort of saying like, well, I did things in this way and it accomplished the goals. It's like, well, I, I, I taught a thing. I, I, I was, I was paid fair. And I think everyone had a good experience in this other context, I guess, um, I'll just sort of do that on video, but instead you, you, it's, it's important to check those boxes to say, what of the old context can I transition in? And is there a translation and how does that work? But then you, there's new possibilities too. Yeah. And, and, and acknowledging yeah. like, Oh, well, this will be different and different is okay. Right. Holy moly, we're finally still finally getting there in, in like pixel perfect design. Sorry, I've, I've, I've got a baggage here, but like the idea that you go from one thing and it's perfectly the same as another thing is unreasonable and uh, probably counterproductive. Also, and, uh, I mean, just from a designer standpoint, it's also boring. <laughs> it's like, isn't it way more interesting if you have like unique problems to solve with every new thing that you do? Um yeah. Yeah. I mean, typically because the willing to explore that it may not look great at first, right? So maybe there's ways to practice and, 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 uh, experiment small. And that's always a trick, especially when you're working with a large organization and you're trying to apply this kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's always succeed big, never fail as the, is the want. And it's like, well, <laughs> what human endeavor really pulls that off? Um, not uh, nothing. I'm pretty much uh, pretty confident in that. I, you know what? Um, there are two pages in science comics rockets that are dedicated just to uh, celebrating the United States for uh, letting the world know about its failures in the space program. Like footage exists and you can access it. You own it. If you're a United States citizen, your tax dollars paid for it. So you own this footage. If you go to images.nasa.gov, you can download these videos. They're yours. And it is, Endless videos of rockets launching and exploding. <laughs> not with people on them, not with people on them, right? But it's like they let the failures be known because, well, one, because it was tax dollars paying for it, so we had a right to know. But also it's this idea of it's like, hey, this is part of learning something. We have to we have to do this. We gotta blow up some rockets so we can figure out how to make them not blow up, right? Um, and you're legitimately coming up against really hard constraints. And so some of those constraints where maybe like, oh, I'm not comfortable to make this transition from, from, you know, uh, in person to video and what have you. Well, it, it's good to, um, find those constraints and start to navigate them and, and, and see, see what happens. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can capture good audio. Um, what is good enough audio and stuff? Who do I even listen to for advice on this? And it's like, you're, you're, you're pulling on a thread that in a path of investigation uh, to, you know, to help, um, you know, develop capabilities. Yeah. And it's, it's not a, it's not a simple transactional thing. And it, and it, and it takes, it takes that kind of ad adaptive exploration. Um, <laughs> My wife, Anne yeah. has described 2020 as the year where whenever I wasn't working, I was watching YouTube videos on my phone of men with purple lights behind them talking about video game streaming. <laughs> and that was what I spent an inordinate amount of my downtime doing is watching video after video of these people describing different ways to do this stuff. Right. And, and like that, that is like a motif she notices. Like it's always a guy who's like really well lit and there's purple lights behind him. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's a funny year. I guess we're 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 providing a you know like our version of that is less video gamey and less purple, but it's uh like we we've we've been exploring and and questing and and trying to discover some some useful things about video and and uh, and then motivations behind it. So yeah, um, like what do you um. Any other any other thoughts about uh, like the like the future aspect of this? Well, yeah, I, I mean just... we're implying that we're going to you know put this to use more, and like we've gotten to we've re- reached a point where we're comfortable for you know really you know trying more things with the videos. Yeah, um, yeah, and, and and I'm thinking about so actually scrolling back a couple of years. Actually, I think it was like a two calf 2015. So this has been when it was still called Kids Read Comics. We did experiment with this uh in that the library that we partnered with the ann arbor district library had a t1 line and so i'm like bandwidth is not a concern here and i said to them like, well, what if we did some virtual events where we're beaming people in who we normally couldn't get right so we, we got, i have a couple friends audra furuichi and scott yoshinaga who do the nemu nemu comic in hawaii very expensive to get them here but let's beam them in via skype or something and do a virtual uh workshop slash presentation thing um, and I remember there was like a lot, like in some corners of the discussions I was having about it, there was a lot of head scratching. Like, is that going to be any good? I'm like, well, that we'll find out. We'll, we'll we do surveys afterwards and see what people thought, you know? But, um, no, it was, it was, it was a, for what it was, it was a successful event. Was it as awesome as having them there? No, but it was better than not having them there at all. And I think that kind of, th- of thinking where it's like, now we can get people from around the world to participate in all sorts of different things all the time, right? Um, so whether it's an event, whether it's a party, right? Like I, I happen to be scheduled to attend a friend's birthday party uh, tomorrow. And, you know, it's like, I, as I look through the email list, I'm like, there are people from all over the place who are gonna be at this thing, right? Um, I think that that kind of thing, um, at social gatherings is going to be an interesting thing. And, and maybe, it, maybe it'll be funny at first, like in some of those Disney XD shows where like the kids on like a, a Segway with an iPad planted on the top or something. Maybe it'll be <laughs> silly like that, but, or maybe it'll be richer somehow. But the way that we get to the richness is by asking ourselves, what problems are we trying to solve? Who are we trying to serve and what are their needs and how are they engaging with this thing when they first make contact with it? So, and then when going back to that example I talked about with like a camera on a tripod at the back of a lecture hall, it's like, well, that's something. But what if we had webcam set up like at the podium and like down, like close to the presenters up on the stage so that, you know, like you actually have multicam, you can switch if they're mic'd really well and the mics are actually, instead of being pumped into just the external speakers in the auditorium, also being routed in through a laptop so that you can actually capture really great audio. So you would have like the TV show version and the live version happening at the same time. As you said, TVs existed for a long time. Dick Cavett show was a thing. You know, there was an audience and then there was also good camera work, right? We're in a place where we, that, that technology has been largely democratized. Um, and, and that's the thing. So the, 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 the democratization of the capabilities and then putting t- them to use in a way that includes enough of the constraints and where you're at and the audience and that navigating that leads to I like useful and interesting things. It's, you know, some of us will be producing things that are pretty much like Wayne's world, but it's, 
interactive Wayne's World and interesting and useful if you're part of that audience and conversation. And for others uh, where it's like, yeah, that looks kind of fake. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, you know, not all, not all everyone's uh, like ability to perform in context is going to, you know, meet all the different audiences needs. And, um, and for that, you'll have bigger productions and teams legitimately like their skills, uh, haven't been like fully replaced. And they, I don't think they ever will be. You're going to need teams of humans collaborating on hard problems, bringing their kind of, uh, adaptive expertise, but it's expensive to do that, right? So if you're going to have purple lights in a stream and whatnot um, in a video game or an art podcast or what have you, it's, um, you know, those are different barriers, different constraints that, that you can, you're more easily able uh, to reach than like some giant uh, corporate event or, um, like a like a, a production with a lot more funding yeah but that's okay cool i think we've walked around it and I, yeah i'm glad that we close on this idea of adaptability that that's really what we're pointing towards in a, the broadest sense possible is that change calls for adaptation and adi and i would argue that adaptation as painful as it can be sometimes is also really exciting right um again Harkening back to that whole Peter and Edmund in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, it's like Peter heard the word adventure, Edmund heard the word danger, and both are true. They were both right. <laughs> uh, okay, so do you want to take one more break and then come back to talk about our two-minute practice for this this uh, session or this two-week period? Ah, that sounds excellent. Let's do that. Okay. Um, so we're going to come back in about a minute and a half, two minutes, and we're going to conclude with our two-minute practice for the, the, the last two weeks. Before we do that, we got to thank some more people who make this show possible. Those people happen to be us. We make stuff, and we bring the thinking that we do when making the stuff into this project called Lean Into Art. And the thing that I make that I hope you will check out is the 4 Million Years Later podcast. What? Another podcast? Who's got the time? Well, it's a very different kind of podcast in that it's about pop culture. It's about a trans Transformers cartoon series, the Generation, Generation 1 Transformers series. And uh, it's a story analysis show with me and my buddy Hoover where we like watch an episode a week and then we carefully dissect and pick apart what we think made it work, where the weak points were, how we engaged with it as children, how we feel about it as adults. And the latest episode is episode 41 called The Golden Lagoon, which is one of the first episodes that ends with a pretty heavy idea in that, like, when we think of 80s cartoons, we often think of, like, somebody makes a, kind of a lousy joke, and then all the characters look up at the sky and laugh at the end, and then the camera pulls back, you know, every Scooby-Doo episode. Most Saturday morning cartoons, many Transformers episodes, and certainly a lot of G.I. Joe episodes do this. Um, but The Golden Lagoon ends with a, a lone Autobot sitting on a rock looking at a devastated forest and saying... Well, I guess we won, right? Uh, it, it, it's, it's a little, it could, I guess it could be considered heavy-handed, but I, th I think in the time when it was released, it was kind of a bold move. Um, and then Hoover and I spend about an hour and a half uh, talking about all the ways it could have been even better. But we both really enjoyed this episode, The Golden Lagoon, episode 41. And that's at 4millionyearslater.com uh, and in podcatchers everywhere. Rob, are you ready to talk about your store? I am. I will briefly mention a few things that I have on my store page, which you can find at robstenzinger.com slash store.html and I offer a few different products and services, games, coaching and whatnot, but workshops 
like we've been talking about, like doing video production. And, and in, in this case, these are uh, streamable uh, at your, your convenience. So you can, you can stream them through uh, the Gumroad store if you want to just buy your own license to it. And there you go. You could download it and put it on any device you want, what have you. Or you can experience these through that service, which is called Skillshare. It's a lot like one of those like all you can learn kind of things where you you, you have a monthly um, you know Skillshare uh, access to tons and tons of videos. And then three of my workshops are up there right now. Um, and you can, well, actually four are, but uh, two I want to highlight. Uh, one of them, we talked about a lot of perspective taking in this episode and including others and how you design and, and navigate a project. Well, drawing user journey maps is a really useful set of techniques and process to help you do just that and to actually uh, get it written up in sort of this, this timeline flow from all these different points of view is incredibly powerful when you're helping uh, a group of people explore things and you're including all their ideas and how they um, let you purposefully do something great for the audience you're serving. So that's drawing user journey maps to design user experience, gather ideas and collaborate. Check that one out uh, at Gumroad and Skillshare. Also customizing your next creative challenge. It's a really useful um, procedure that that I use when I'm trying to figure out, well, okay, yeah, I like creative challenges, but how do I make this one work for me? Am I making a product? Am I uh, just practicing at maximum challenge to see what happens. Uh, what am I doing with this creative challenge? Well, this is a way to thoughtfully navigate that kind of thing for you. There's a little workbook and um, a brief set of videos to help you, you know, think, think about how you want to go about that. Are you making a product? Are you making a gift? Or uh, what's it like? What challenge level works for you so you can tune that next creative challenge you take on? And that's all at robstenzinger.com slash store.html. That's great. And then the last thing we hope you'll check out is the Lean Into Art Discord. We have a forum for you to interact with us in between shows so that uh, all the interaction isn't just tied to the individual episode videos. Um, the link for the, the invite link for the Discord is in the show notes for this episode and every episode at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. Join us there. It's been fun to get to know some of the other leaners um, in a more like time shifted and social capacity. So, all right. Um, are we ready for two minute practice, Rob? Two minute practice. Hey, Jersey. Hey, Rob. <laughs> Whew. You know, um, so you ever, you ever start a two minute practice and think that, uh, like, as in like, I'm committed to doing this thing uh, a couple minutes at a time and seeing where it goes and think, uh, Hey, wait a minute. There's, there's a lot more to this. Yes. Is this what you ran into with this week's or this two weeks practice? I did. So <laughs> I had like some two minute practice adjacent things, uh, like as far as figuring out tools and whatnot too. But, um, uh, but I guess before we get into that, it's like, uh, well, what was this practice that we explored the last couple of weeks? Yeah. So the idea was, is to try to do something with like, um, uh, inexpensive in terms of time, but inexpensive in terms of uh, intellectual and emotional energy, right? Um, so we came up with this idea of like, just go around with your phone, let me see a cool looking image, uh, take a snapshot of it. Uh, and actually, Sarah, Sarah Lutfi was the one who suggested this is like, well, we're entering autumn in a lot of parts we're in the upper, in the northern hemisphere. 
color change is part of the experience. This would be a good opportunity to take, snap some pictures and grab a color palette from the pictures you took. Um, so how I found this to be pretty easy to do. What did you run into? Well, there's a few things that, um, honestly, it's probably because I feel like I found like my favorite ultimate color palette tool that has gone away. <laughs> oh, and, uh, I know we must have talked about it on the lean into art cast years ago. Um, and it's, uh, what was it called? I, and I've been hunting for this thing where it's, um, uh, in updating my Mac, right. It, it, you know, the OS, the last OS update, um, a, a bunch of different apps went away and it's, it was like color, color, it was spelled color, right. It, it was like the, the UK English spelling of color. And, um, it was, it, it was awesome because it let me, um, take a photo get a color palette from it instantly, but then explore the relationships of those colors among colors that were in the palette and colors that I hadn't picked yet. Oh, and that's cool. I, so it was like a color strategy, magical, fun land of solve a problem and then export color palettes and, and you know, you're off to the races. Um, import that palette into your favorite drawing app and you're, you can, you know, paint and color away. So I had a, I, I didn't realize I had sort of a, 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 um, a missing piece of my process that I had a lot of affection for. And I was like, where is that good old app? And, I, and so then I was hunting for uh, palette apps. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, that's how it got more involved for you. But that's it. how it got more involved where it was like, oh, I know I could just, keep this simple and do use the dropper tool and pick some colors and stuff. But like, I just missed it. That darn tool so much. Adobe so. used to have like a, a, a mobile app. This is ages ago, like probably like eight years ago that did something similar. And I remember talking about it on lean it to art actually, where you just like take a picture of a thing and it's like, okay, boom, here's your color palette extracted from that. Um, it was really neat, but I forget. I don't even remember the name. It was called Cooler, and I cooler. think it's still around. It's Cooler spelled, it was spelled with a K, like K-U with an umlaut, I think, L-E-R. Um, and it's, uh, it's. I think it's now been, it's just called Adobe Color or something like, something okay. like that. But, but um, I've been, I, I, I was purposefully trying not to use the Adobe tool set. Same, same. Yeah, and so one that I was using for this was um, Microsoft Power Toys. Oh, have you not heard of this? Um, so, eight, though, so yes, they've been they, a long they, time. They've been a Windows um, native person, right? So they so. they brought it back. Yeah, it was something from the old Windows days, but they made a new version. Microsoft Power Toys Preview, I think, is what it's called in the Microsoft Store, and it has a universal color picker in the browser. Like you just, it's like a key command, and then like whatever doesn't matter what app you're in, your eyedropper tool is open. You hover over things, and it'll give you the hex code for it. So I was using that for mine. Um, and then I just like hovered over the photo, like copied the hex codes into, you know, a, a notepad document and then opened up Clip Studio Paint, typed in the hex codes into the color uh, wheel and then just blasted some color next to the image. So um, not 
totally automated, but it was it, it was fast. And for two minutes, I felt like I had a lot of time just to grab, to grab four or five colors. So I felt like the, the technological hurdles I was jumping through weren't like, they didn't add any like extra friction for me. So here's one of the ones I did, which was um, a photo I took in my front yard celebrating my Halloween setup. Um, you know, and plus it's like, I just, it was a moment where I was like, oh, these are, these are awesome spooky colors. Let's put together a spooky palette real quick. So. Is this, so the skeleton and the lit, lit up tree, like depending on when I glance at it, I'm like, oh, the skeleton's dancing. Or I'm like, wait a minute, that skeleton's chasing me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Bones wants a hug. Yeah. That was, that was the idea of it. Right. Um, <laughs> nice. So, but, but also, you know, I got these cool spooky Halloween lights with like the, the eerie green and the cool purple. And so anyway, I was like, I don't know it was that, that was just proving the, the case of like how easy. How that, do you feel about it? Like, so that, yeah. you know, that is the practice. Mm -hmm. Um, how do you feel about the color palette you got out of it? Oh, t I'm totally going to use this for some, you know, spooky chapters of a book in the future for sure. Right. Like, so like, yeah, it's like, I, I was getting, the fo okay, here's the difference that I noticed in my approach. Because I also, and I don't have the color palette. I think I accidentally deleted this one. But I have a uh, <laughs> a Google Photos folder of Transformer screen grabs <laughs> that I use for, like, texting with friends. Um, but also for use of the 4 Million Years Later podcast. And uh, one of the things that I love in um, these old cartoons is the color palette sometimes are, like, really, really striking when you stop and look at them, you know? Uh, so I was also grabbing some photos from episodes I was talking about with Hoover and grabbing the color palette off of that. Like if you look at like that red with that like teal and like the cool mysterious purples behind her. Um, so in those cases, it just became more of me exploring what, what I consider to be thoughtful and well-crafted design. Um, th those are the cartoon ones. The ones where I was grabbing photos, they tended to fall into moods. I was capturing mood palettes, which was cool. That's a really interesting distinction because, yeah, if you're pulling a, a if you're if you're taking a snapshot of a magazine cover or uh, like a like a an object or or something that like probably someone was solving problems of color relationships, that's baked in, right? Yeah. Whereas the environment around us, it's like, how interesting! That I like that distinction a lot. Because it's still useful, like photos, moods. Um, I can share too, like my screen of what I ended up using. I like this app. I don't mean to, you know, slight it, but um, let's see. Um, what would be a good point of view? Oh, yeah. I guess I will go with uh, this one. Um, okay. So this is an app called uh, Palettes Pro. And it lets you solve problems of variety. Oh, it's funny. I'm doing, I have chroma key turned on in the scene. Oh, you That's, do. I can uh, see your sweater at the bottom uh, row of the colors. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me fix this. Um, so I'm going to go to this scene um, and I'm going to, uh, this is funny. So, so this I'm going to send to back, excuse this, uh, um, Move to bottom. Whoops. There we go. And now you can see my iPad. And I can scooch myself out of the way if I do this right. Whoop. Okay. So good enough. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, there's um, this app is called Palettes Pro. And it really is good at, uh, I mean, you can uh, import, import a color really easily. Um, 
you know, picture colors and you can do, you know, from your photo library and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. But uh, let's see, where's, uh, if you do albums and then favorites. And so I would just say, oh, let's see, Goku voted. Oh, let me pick that one. Um, and that's from, yeah, I mailed in my, my vote this year. All right. So boom. So that I just made a color palette that fast. Right. Mm -hmm. So in some ways that wasn't very adventurous. Right. It's mm -hmm. cool. It's convenient. And it, it does pull out interesting colors. But then if you look at this, um, I'll just throw that over here. And um, I had there's a lot of redundancy. They're like not all these colors are um, uh, doing doing a separate job. There's 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 almost like they, they look really similar. So I could sort them by. Um, by their grayscale value. So then all of a sudden now, what's funny is my, let's see, I'm going to move this uh, down here. So then we can see it better. Okay, there okay. we go. Um, so I sorted by grayscale value. So now I see the colors that have um, a little more, they're arranged by contrast, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, now I can, I can, I can, you know, delete the ones that I think, oh, that's redundant. Um, that's interesting. That one's redundant. <clears throat> and I can, I can prune it down. Um, I've also, I also did like, let's see. Uh, da, da, da. Um, so I'd made some, some um, like, this is from our, the harvest from our garden, um, garden harvest. Uh, so that's kind of a fall one. This is from just a photo that had like really a bad light balance, but I thought it was interesting. Um, and, it, but like, so that kind of faded memory, uh, uh, nostalgia feeling. Mm -hmm. So. So I made a, you know, a good, um, you know, half dozen or so um, color palettes and then not, not all of them I shaped down to, to being like a, um, all right, come on, let me get this one dragged over here. It's not doing it. There we go. So the paperback one, I actually, I did grab that manually from, from the colors I, I thought were interesting in this mm. um, screenshot from the paperback paradise Instagram. Um, so which is a little meta. It's like someone curated what someone else designed and whatever. You know, anyway, <laughs> so. Yeah, good point. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, um, I mean, so that's what I ended up using. Palettes Pro is an iOS app and it works uh, quite well for, for what it does. It's um, just not quite as uh, powerful as that, that uh, Mac desktop tool I used to use. And so I miss it. Well, what, what's, what, how do you feel about the challenge or the challenge? I keep calling it a challenge. It was a practice. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I personally felt like it was, it was just good to get my hands into some color palette creation again and just get into the habit of like noticing color again, um, which is the whole purpose of a practice, right? Mm -hmm. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, color is just, it's another uh, area of concern that it's, it's manageable and you can get comfortable with it instinctually or start to look at uh, the, the relationships and, and, uh, and then maybe do further research and colors uh, or associations culturally or what have you, right? That um, uh, like it's, color, it's a big thing, but it's approachable. And especially when you can just remember to, to get colors out of, out of uh, photographs and, uh, so I really appreciate uh, Sarah Lautfi uh, mentioning that and uh, was a really, I feel it was a really worthwhile practice. I think just so too. Because 
I, I don't think I pulled off the whole it. It's simple and it can stay simple. I let it get complicated. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, one of the things that is super charming about you, Rob, is that like whenever you encounter um, a friction, you're like, how can I make this automated? And that usually takes you down like a whole nother friction laden road. But you, oh, you usually come up the other side with like some kind of efficiency, you know? And like, I'm married to a person who like, to some appearances, some people will look at that and say, like, that's slow. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> she's, she's slowing down the gears right now because when she comes out the other side of that, everything's going to go so much faster. Wait for it. You know, it's like that's that would be the T-shirt I'd make for you is wait for it. It's going to get faster and more <laughs> awesome in a second. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. You see me. Thanks. <laughs> I, I don't know what to say to that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, um, I, I come to accept it. I try to use timers to keep me from getting, you know, t uh, putting too much into, into that kind of thing. And in the two minute, but the thing is I cheated. I was like, okay, I can spend two minutes to, to play with the color palette, mm -hmm. but now I have this on my to-do list to figure out the color palette tool <laughs> and stuff across platforms. <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, so what are we doing for the next one? We already had this like sort of uh, preloaded before Sarah sent us on this color palette journey. So uh, do you remember what we were planning on doing last time? Not entirely. Oh, um, it was an iterative drawing thing, right? Oh, and yeah. Yes, yes. It was going to be take, wasn't it the, the take a sheet of paper and add a character to it for two minutes at ago? Or do we add a character? Yeah. There's a few permutations that I've been noodling about, about iterative drawing. Yeah. So filling up a sheet of paper with uh, doodled characters. That, yeah. Uh, still, two minutes yeah. ago. I like that one. I do too. And I would love to, you know, I'm, I'm excited about encountering it and engaging with it in a let's see what happens kind of way. I don't want to walk into it with a plan. I want to walk with a blank sheet of paper, draw a thing, and then respond to that thing, then respond to those two things, then respond to those three things. Um, I feel like that's a, a kind of creation that is calling upon your intuition and your instinct, which may come as a surprise to some people who've listened to me for a long time is that I don't often advocate instinct, but instinct is an important tool as well. Intentionality is important. Skill building is important. And those go in to feed your instinct and your intuition. So there, there are times where it's worth going back to that and listening to it. I, yeah, I, I appreciate that a lot. And because there, um, I'm hoping that this one will have that kind of um, like low pressure and not be sort of an, in not feel like a challenge type it's of not uh, a challenge. practice. It's a practice. Yeah. yeah. Let's all go practice everybody. Thanks Rob. Thank you, Jersey. So I think we did a podcast. So um, gosh, episode three. So, so we have successfully gotten together and thought hard about something 331 times <laughs> yeah. and, and more. Uh, so thanks everybody for uh, downloading, listening and watching. We record the show weekly on Thursdays. We stream, stream it live all over the place and we collect it as a podcast at leanintoart.com and patreon.com slash leanintoart. We'll be back next week with another episode. Until then I have been Jersey Drozd of leanintoart.com and Jersey Drozd on Instagram.
And I've been Rob Stenzinger of leanintoart.com. And I'm Rob Stenzinger all over the place, like Instagram. Okay, bye. Show notes for this episode can be found at leanintoart.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at the user leanintoart. And you can reach us via email at leanintoart at gmail.com. And remember, leaners aren't wieners. Thanks for listening.